Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Special Ed Rising, the podcast, No Parent Left Behind. The show that speaks to parents and caregivers about the world of special needs and special education. If you crave knowledge, support, and a dash of different, then you've come to the right place. I'm Mark, your host. Thank you so much for joining me and including me in your day. I hope you find this podcast informative and reassuring, giving you the boost to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love and an outpouring of goodness and positive role modeling for your children. Always keep you and your mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health in mind. Health in these areas will allow you to be all you hope to be for them. Today's show is a little different. As a specialist in the field of special needs, and as a goal for this podcast, I want to speak to as many areas of disability that I feel qualified to address, in addition to sharing new information that I learn. Over the past two years, I've been thrust into the care and welfare of my elderly parents. It's a road that has been long, arduous, emotional, highly stressful, exhausting, heartbreaking, and rewarding. If I'm honest, it's a road that I would not necessarily volunteer to travel, but it's a road I never shied away from. When people you love are involved, it's amazing the sacrifices you're willing to make. And I know that every parent out there worth their salt knows exactly what I mean. This experience has allowed me the chance to sit in your seats and live the highs and lows of dealing with humans in their most vulnerable and often innocently challenging moments. Absorbing the love and the vitriol from the deteriorating and brutally honest mind of one parent, while simultaneously absorbing the love, sweet innocence, and sudden anger, terror, and disorientation of a brain suffering with dementia, qualities you might see in a baby, from the other parent, was a constant test of my willpower, patience, and most importantly, knowledge of self. How well did I know me in order to successfully juggle everything that was being thrown at me? How real was, is my patience? What are we as human beings truly capable of? Are expectations fair? What are the reasonable limits of these expectations, personal and bestowed upon us by the other? And finally, what are the options? In this episode, I endeavor to reflect on my experience and some lessons learned during the time I personally cared for my elderly parents and the challenges that families face in deciding the right options for care outside of the home. And then a little on the system that embraces your family member and the costs and the realities that accompany this opened arm greeting. Afterwards, stay tuned for today's special needs trivia to test your prowess and my good news community share where you'll hear some positive news happening in the world of special needs and special education. So pull the lever on that recliner, pop a top, and let's sip our way to another win. Having my parents back close to home after 30 years was something perceived as a, an opportunity to have them cared for in a way that their health had begun to dictate. I was especially excited to help my mom become active in a local senior center in the YMCA to keep her as fit and mentally stimulated as possible since dementia had begun to play on her memory. It was going to mean extra involvement and sacrifices on my part, but I was excited to have the opportunity. We had planned for a home health aid, which was intended to create less of a disruption to the daily lives of my siblings and myself, while alleviating some of the burden for the family members sharing their house with my parents. As the weeks and months passed, it became obvious that this wasn't to be as smooth as hoped. 
We knew that the move back for mom and dad was probably a little late in the game. Dad had fought it in recent years, and now both he and mom's health were such that their daily living needs were a little more wanting, and not having a full-time aid meant more asks from the family. We made do and adjusted to the demands of a frail man dealing with undiagnosed Parkinson's disease, also known as Parkinsonism, which made walking feel like moving one's legs through thick, resistant molasses. The pained journey, traveling five feet in 20 minutes several times each day, could be grueling for both the person trying to navigate it and the caretaker assisting, mostly the aide and me for the first several months. Such times poked a stick at my patients and prodded me to dig for more. This is where my experience working with kids came to my aid. Patience is the number one tool in the tool belt of a teacher. Without it, you're as good as a sailor without sunscreen. You will get burned. You must see past yourself, like a parent of a child who is challenged. You must remove yourself, your pride, your what-about-me's, and your resentment, and become a conduit for achievement. Not easy, and something I constantly needed to remind myself to do. When you get past yourself, then you can more clearly see the determination of a human being struggling to do what you can do without thinking. And so you get over yourself, and you breathe, and you stick it out. Normally, this would be enough of a challenge, but then add a pandemic into the mix, and suddenly you are without an aid, in isolation, and all the caretaking responsibilities fall on your shoulders. From April through September, we looked at every alternative. On the occasions when restrictions were loosened and masks were recognized to be enough of a deterrent by the CDC, we would try a new aid. But that in itself is a rock climb. You have to find an agency you're comfortable with, and then you have to interview person after person, wrong fit after wrong fit. Personalities need to gel, reliability needs to be tested, trust to strangers needs to be considered. There's a potential for turnover of AIDS in normal times, but because of COVID, there could be no consistency due to the on-again, off-again lockdown orders, which made it tougher to find anyone for any significant length of time. The local church was incredible, spelling us from having to prepare dinner once each week and providing someone to speak with when needed. I recommend reaching out to such organizations if you have access. We would have used them more and, of course, opportunities in our town, but COVID prevented this. Without these resources, entertainment for my parents consisted of TV, a newspaper, the computer for my dad, perhaps a craft for my mom, and food to fill the days. For myself and my siblings, it was keeping up with mobility needs on top of all the hygiene, food shopping, doctor appointments, and miscellaneous demands, as well as trying to afford some degree of habilitation. This was the new constant, and despite our best efforts, it wasn't going to be enough unless one or two of us gave up our lives entirely, which we did get a taste of. In the fall, we found an assisted living space for about five months, and it didn't work out. So we found another setting more suitable. A little over a year later, after my parents had adjusted, my dad's health began to fail and my mom's dementia had worsened. This resulted in our having to make the difficult decision to separate them after 67 years of marriage in order that she receive the proper care she needs. Not long after, dad passed. This time of life is built-in difficult, full stop. We were, like many, encumbered by the pandemic, and it stole from us many options normally available, which compounded the situation. Everyone lost during this pandemic. No special griping here. We all did what we had to do. But despite the stress from the constancy of demands, the frustrations and sacrifices, I learned so much. Mm-hmm.
I mentioned earlier that my training in the classroom is what got me through this time. I was experienced in helping others who needed extra assistance and care, and I knew that the approach needed to keep me sane was, to some degree, to disassociate myself. I tried to look at my parents as clients in order to separate the emotional toll of seeing them struggle, continue to enjoy what they had to offer as people of worth, and absorb the abuse of a mind frustrated, depressed, and probably deteriorating due to a disease. Crappy feelings in the moment, but time, sometimes only a night's sleep and space, helped me to keep going back. I always had to remind myself as a teacher that each day was a new beginning. I couldn't hold on to what had happened before in any perceptible way in order to do my job. No different as the caretaker of elderly parents. The other area that needed to be in place for me was my own self-awareness and mindfulness. I don't know that I could have done as good a job if this had happened 10 or even 5 years ago, before I had finally met and accepted myself, no longer taking in the opinions and judgments of others and allowing that narrative to inform me. I had to commit to being mindful of living in the moment and also checking in with the reality of what was happening to my parents and what it meant for the time we had left together. I tried as hard as I could to remind myself to appreciate how fortunate, despite the circumstances, I was to still have them to complain about. (laughs) Mindfulness allowed me to slow it all down and pace myself. Even checking out in a meditative state at times during those 20-minute slow walks was a way to cope and yet still stay connected, sort of operating on two planes. And remember, there's no going back. The aging process is forward-moving, and you need to come to a place of peace with that. I encourage you to accept where your parents are and accept that this is the new reality. If you can do that, then you have a chance to enjoy all that this time of life can bring. My mother makes my heart smile bigger than ever. I relish the time I have where she, she can connect. And she has the best sense of humor. I cut her hair for her, and she likes the job I do so much that... She asked if I'd cut it for her when she dies. I said it might be a little uncomfortable, but I would do it if she wanted. She answered, well, maybe you can do it the day before. (laughs) I almost fell on the floor hysterically laughing, and she cracked up. This is the treasure in the murky waters waiting to be discovered. As you two said, love is bigger than anything in its way. By summer's end, my dad was in a nursing home recovering after a hospital visit, and the family felt it was important to begin the search for an assisted living facility. What I'd like to do here is, while telling the story of our family's experience, help inform you of the challenges and realities of getting your parents into such a place. The need for and prevalence of elder care is growing at a rapid pace. From Distinctive Living and Lisa Rogers, senior living is a fast-growing sector and it's only going to keep on expanding. In fact, it's estimated that by 2034, seniors will outnumber children for the first time in U.S. history. To help us find a place for my parents, we acquired uh, the services of a senior living advisor who came at no cost to us. They are really like real estate agents for the elderly who get paid on commission from the assisted living facility if they place someone. From dailycaring.com, these specialists know the local area, the different types of senior housing options, and the inside scoop on what each place is really like. Each advisor takes many factors into account for each individual situation. For example, budget, paying options, is it private pay, long-term care insurance, VA aid and attendance, etc. Care needs, location, 
distance from the family, personality, and lifestyle. The Senior Living Advisor helps narrow the options to care communities that will likely be a good fit for your older adult. These specialists also know how to find out if the senior living community has violations that were reported to the State Board and can share advice on quality and safety. If you don't already have a place or places in mind, I highly recommend going this route. It will save you time and hopefully headaches. It's not foolproof, however, nothing is. We ultimately didn't like the first placement for our parents and ended up investigating a new one on our own. By this time, we had experience knowing what to ask and what we wanted, but we were more prepared because we had dealt with an advisor initially. While there are firsts in your search that you'll want to look for, which I will mention, one of the biggest questions we would have now is, what's the turnover of employee caretakers? There's been a tremendous shortage due to the pandemic, and with that comes problems. It can result in inconsistency of care, which leads to an unfamiliarity, which can cause discomfort, distress, and trust issues. It can mean attitude problems because of overworked aides who can't attend to your loved one in timely fashion because they're doing more than their typical job responsibilities ask and or having to attend to a large caseload of residents. And because people are harder to find, the monetary incentives have to be greater to lure them, which means an increase to your bill. Find out the staff to residence ratio. The more staff the facility employs, the higher it will drive up the rentals, while frequent staff turnover could also be a red flag that the facility is poorly run. Additionally, more adults with Alzheimer's and dementia are entering retirement homes than ever before. Finding qualified staff to take care of these specific set of needs is proving to be quite expensive. If you research the mean average for a room across the U.S., it's around $4,500 a month. But that's the car without the extras. You have to include charges for room and board, which include most utilities, cable and phone are generally extra, and group amenities like activities, transportation, and communal meals are included. With my mom's recent move to memory care, we chose a shared room, or a room with a roommate, to cut costs. There are options for studios or shared scenarios rather than a one-bedroom unit, which can save you money. Then there's care level, which generally refers to how much assistance a person needs with activities of daily living, as well as management of one's health. For example, toileting, bathing, getting dressed, and safety checks will all be charged as personal care in addition to the base rent. And finally, medication management. My mom's recently jumped quite a bit, which is based on the number of different meds distributed daily and how they're given. For example, if pills need to be crushed, it can increase the cost. All of these can change unexpectedly. Personal care costs can add up quickly. It's important to understand how the assisted living facility tracks these additional costs. Some are based on the point system, time for care equals cost, while others use a tiered system. The points go up as care and meds increase, and that means you pay more. We've paid at different times between ten dollars and $16,000 a month for everything. It's tough to budget even a year ahead because of unexpected health issues. So expect them and plan accordingly. One thing we got lucky with was a promotional incentive locking in a 20% discount for a period of months for a room. These promotions happen, so be keen to look out for them and ask the facility you're looking at if and when they have them. Being able to access your parent or parent's financial paperwork, documents, health insurance, etc. can be an involved process and delay your move if you can't find what's required. 
These documents may be lost or, when dealing with a parent suffering from dementia, their whereabouts may be unknown. If you need to order new documents or search in various places to find them, you need to allow enough time to do so. This paperwork is critical and so I'll be providing a source listing what you'll need when planning your move on my new resource page of my website. The most important thing to know, experts say, is that the sooner you begin the process, the better. Conducting research before you need to choose is crucial because you can really separate the good from the bad places when you dig, says Anthony Cirillo, a health aging and caregiving expert and president of the aging experience. If you see mom and dad starting to decline, but they can still live fine on their own. That is the time to start looking. I will post a list of sources to help you with your search on my resource page. And a quick word on a place for mom, not a disparaging word, but just some reality. They can help do the legwork to find what facility might be appropriate for you in your geographic location, says Howard S. Crooks, an elder law attorney. But sometimes these organizations are paid by the facilities they recommend so they may not be contracted with other facilities that might be worth visiting. The AARP offers a free online caregiving checklist with basic questions to ask each facility, including such questions as, what types and sizes of units are available? Do units include kitchens or kitchenettes? Are the rooms and bathrooms private? Is special care available for residents with dementia or other health conditions? Does each resident have a personalized care plan, and is the person involved in writing it? Can you supply a contract that explains fees, services, and admission, and discharge policies? Are additional services available if a resident's needs change? And ask about awards they've won, recognition of quality, ratings. The AARP warns that you will most likely be speaking with a marketing or sales rep first, who will be representing the best possible view of the facility, so keep that in mind. Dr. Nora O'Brien, Executive Director of Willow Gardens Memory Care in New Rochelle, New York, adds a few more things to inquire about. The first thing I recommend is to review the facility's licensure and accreditation, she says. Be sure it's licensed and, if needed, has enhanced special needs certification to provide specialized health care for complex conditions and dementia. Also find out if residents are able to actively participate in the things that affect their lives, such as what they can eat and what activities are available. Residents should be able to make choices and be part of their own destiny, O'Brien says. The assisted living model was built on choice. The resource page of my website will contain information for you to utilize and help you become familiar with what to look for and what questions to ask. One important lesson we just learned upon my dad's passing is how long you have to clean out your family member's room. Remember that for each day that you have not cleaned out the room, you are being charged. The protocol is in your contract, but you may not be reminded of that fact, as we weren't during your time of grief. Taking the facility's word to take your time is false comfort when you discover that the longer you take, the more money goes to them. Be sure to keep that protocol handy. I would love for these facilities to have an exit protocol sheet with all the information printed clearly. Maybe some do, and good for them. But maybe just highlight that section to be safe. I'll be providing a 14-point checklist for choosing an assisted living facility from U.S. News & World Report from 2020 on the resource page. The process can be overwhelming, and if you're not ready for it, it can bite you and may lead to making hasty, less informed decisions. My journey continues with my mom. Keeping on top of her care is paramount, and if that means moving to a new dementia care home, then we will do it. It's been a road, and 
it is disturbing how complicated and expensive it can be. So though it may be silly to start, quote, too soon, I will say that the headaches that await in delaying the process are not worth risking. I know it's hard to face our mortality and the mortality of a family member, but this is as much a part of life as planning for a newborn. We're taught about that because it's more palatable to digest and think about, more exciting and joyous. But old age and death in old age are realities that we must face, if we're fortunate enough. So I remind you, if you can find it within you to hold the person or persons you knew all of your life as your parents in your heart and embrace this new phase of life, accept who they've become, perhaps less familiar, altered by the aging process and or disease, and meet them now, you may find yourself richer in ways you might not be able to imagine. I know circumstances are different for everyone and you have to find your own way. I simply encourage you to stay open. Mysterious music could only mean one thing. It's trivia time. Okay, question number one. The numbers of elderly are expected to grow substantially with the increase of aging baby boomers. Is it A, true, or B, false? Question number two. By the year 2030, it is estimated that there will be approximately 72 million older Americans, comprising nearly 20% of the total U.S. population. But which state will have the biggest increase in the 65-plus population? Is it A, Arizona, B, California, C, Florida, or D, West Virginia? Seem obvious? Well, we'll see. Good luck. Today's Good News Community Share comes from Disability Scoop and is entitled Bounty Paper Towels Spotlight Artists with Disabilities by Sean Heasley. A special collection of bounty paper towels available at retailers across the country features designs created by several artists with disabilities. Bounty teamed up with Visionaries Plus Voices, or V Plus V, a Cincinnati nonprofit art studio for those with disabilities. Through the arrangement, the paper towel maker is highlighting the work of eight V Plus V artists. At Bounty, we believe in inclusivity and are committed to diversifying artist representation. We are honored through this collection to celebrate a diverse group of artists from the V Plus V studio, to showcase the artist's style, their stories, their passion, and most importantly, their art. Mandy Sicarella, Communications Director for Procter & Gamble Family Care, which manufactures Bounty, told Disability Scoop, We are proud to use our voice to advocate for the careers of artists with developmental disabilities and celebrate their talents to millions of consumers. A special collection called the Visionary Plus Voices Inclusive Artist Project is available nationwide at Sam's Clubs and at select Kroger, Meyer, Spartan Nash, and Giant Eagle locations through September, Procter & Gamble said. The paper towels are being offered in packs of 2, 6, and 12 with packaging that includes information about the artist, 
and a QR code allowing consumers to learn more about the artists and Bounty's partnership with V plus V. The company said it compensated the artists for their work and donated $400,000 to V plus V. Good on them. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and informative insights into areas that are new to you. It's an honor to have you tune in and a pleasure to share with you. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Special Ed Rising and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like the show, please let me know by leaving a review at the bottom of the podcast feed and telling a friend. You can contact me directly with questions through my email, specialadrising at gmail.com. Also, let me know what you'd like to learn about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. Thank you.